Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 19th of August, 2012. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that. I don't know. Hey, buddy, what you got there? It's my iPhone. I'm listening to my shows. What's on here? Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm pretty good with computers and stuff. So you downloaded them using iTunes? No, I'm using Stitcher. M-O-O-N. That spells Stitcher. Oh. Well, how does it work? I don't know. Magic, I guess. I see. Did Uncle Pete put that on your phone for you? Yeah. I watched SpongeBob yesterday. (laughs) He he and Patrick were selling chocolate. Before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, there's a couple of different ways to do so. The first would be to use our voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. 206-745-2731. I do use this voicemail for my other podcasts, so when you are leaving a message, make sure that you mention that it is for Firearms Cafe. If you'd like to send in your own audio recording, or if you'd like to send in a regular email and have me read it for you on the show, I'd be more than happy to do that. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Yeah, I got one more quick thing to talk about as far as contacting the show. If you'll go over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll see over on the right-hand side of the screen will be a little icon that says, uh, I think it's a send voice message. And if you click on that, what it'll let you do is it will let you send a message to me using your computer's built-in microphone. Uh, The testing I've done with it, it works out pretty well. The audio quality is pretty good. Uh, And in fact, I'm going to drop in a quick message that I did get uh, from a listener. G'day Tony, uh, I'm John, thought I'd just let you know that I love your show, Um, so we'll see how this goes. Catch you later. Now the only thing I would caution with it is in the testing that I've done with it, it seems like once you hit record, if you'll just wait like two or three seconds and then start speaking and at the end, wait another two or three seconds before you hit stop. And then the rest, it gives you instructions on how to send it and everything like that. So, All right, guys, one last thing about the feedback. I do think that it's superior quality to calling in on the voicemail, which is using the thing on the website. Or uh, if, you're, if you're doing your own MP3 or WAV file and sending that in to me, again, that's fine. Uh, the audio quality, of course, on that is usually much, much better. Uh, with, with the thing on the website, even if you wanted to type out or do a little outline of what you wanted to say. You've got, again, 10 minutes uh, to do that recording, and it's just a couple of clicks, and then it can be sent to me, and you can be done with it. So hopefully I'll hear from you guys soon. Uh, if you've got suggestions or comments or just even want to say, hey, this is you know Tony from Arizona, uh, enjoy the show, blah, 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 whatever. I'd love to hear from you. All right, so let's start talking about my, what I wish I could say is a very unusual absence from the microphone. Uh, oh, and before I jump in with that, I'd also like to say just 
thanks for everybody that keeps on downloading and listening to the shows and everything. I really appreciate that and, and uh, appreciate you guys sticking with me through kind of my long absence as well. So let's start talking about why I was absent this time for so long. It's been, uh, oh gee whiz, I think the last show I put out for Firearms Cafe was around the 8th or 9th of, uh, of July and we had gone on vacation, so there was going to be a couple of weeks there where I was not going to be able to put out any show. And then when we got back, I was able to, sort of the next one in line was my other podcast, which is The Armed Ape. And I did that one, which I think was at the tail end of July. And then the next one in line was going to be this one, it was going to be Firearms Cafe. Well, I... Uh, had came in and was messing around with the computer and when I started it up it was kind of starting to make some odd noises and doing some like tick tick ticks and some other things and I thought oh brother because usually what that means is that the hard drive is going to start to go uh, or that there's something majorly wrong so I backed up I usually will back up stuff uh, especially that I don't want to lose so things like photographs and and home movies and uh, I, I back up the shows and I back up uh, a lot of the, um, uh, oh, uh, like certain um, MP3s and WAV files that I'm going to use for the show. You know, I don't want to have to re-record some of those things, and so I've, I've got a lot of those backed up. But uh, anyway, I'm, and I think I, I don't know the brand. I think it's called WordBook or something like that. Anyway, it's about a 500 gigabyte hard drive. So I had a bunch of that stuff already backed up, so I backed up a bunch more stuff thinking, well, just in case this thing does go. Uh, and then I figured the next, what I'll, and this was later in the evening, and then I figured, well, what I'll do is I'll come in tomorrow, and I'll be able to jump on here. I'm going to start doing research, because my old computer was about seven years old, so I was kind of behind the times on stuff. And I thought, well, I'll start doing research and, and figuring out what I do want to get in case this thing does go belly up. Well, of course, as uh, fate would have it, I came in the next morning, and all I got was like a blue screen saying it wouldn't boot, it wouldn't do this, it wouldn't do that. Uh, there's all these other things. So I thought, oh, brother. So I called up, I, I took it over to a place called Data Doctors, which is relatively close to us. And uh, I'd, I'd taken my PC into them before, and they were able to help help me and fix it up. So I went into them, and, uh, of course, they gave me the bad news. Oh, your hard drive is shot, and your motherboard is shot, and blah, blah, blah. And they were just like, it's not even worth it to try and fix it. So what they did is I brought in my old, or I brought in my external hard drive, and they were able to back up as much as much stuff on the computer, uh, on my old hard drive. They were able to kind of get it limping along to be able to do that. So uh, even though I had a backup, I had another, I was able to get most of the data and most of the stuff that I wanted backed up so now i'm on the search for a uh a new computer and uh, i ended up going to the library because i had no computer to to do any research with so i went to the library and was looking at stuff looking at stuff and i've pretty much always been a pc guy i will let you guys know right now i'm no longer a pc guy i'm an apple guy i ended we ended up getting the imac and I pretty much made a clean break with that. I am going to need to, I'm still trying to figure out some stuff with it. Uh, but, oh, I'd say in general, I actually like it better. Having used a PC for so long, I, I know the ins and outs of that a little bit better. But now that I'm getting more familiar with the Mac, and I've had we've had it about a week and a half or so, uh, I actually really like it. I like, 
I've figured out kind of how they think, for lack of a better word, or how they expect certain things to operate. And so it's actually pretty intuitive once you do that. Um, and before I used to think, man, none of this stuff makes sense. My in-laws actually have a Mac, and I thought, boy, I I just don't get why they do things a certain way. But now that I have one and have basically been forced to use it and forced to kind of learn how to do the stuff, uh, I really like I, I, I like it a lot. Um, also, I'll say another thing. With my experience at, I went. We have an Apple store uh, at one of the local malls down here, and uh, I went there. I really had a good experience there. And they're like, "Hey, come on any time. And if you have problems, you can always ask one of us. And you can, you know, sign up for classes if you want. And do all this other jazz." So I may end up doing that, uh, taking the classes just so. The, and uh, you can come in and take the classes as many times as you want, and all this other stuff. So, but everybody was real friendly. Everybody. You know, they, they take the time and everything. Uh, another thing that I liked about it is right there in the store, they took it out of the box, set it up, and went through, like, some of the registration with me. We ran some stuff, made sure a bunch of stuff worked, uh, showed me some little little bits of ins and outs and that stuff, and then basically by that time I needed to go, or I would have stayed there a little bit longer, but I needed to go then. Um, but all in all, I would recommend one for you. Um, just as far as... Does one really do anything that the others don't? Probably not. Um, but uh, I think, uh, I just like, now that I've, I've had some experience with it, I just like it a little bit better. Uh, and again, I don't, I never was like super loyal to the to the PC versus a Mac or a Mac versus a PC type thing. It's just, you know, you kind of work with what you got. Uh, but to me, so far, like I said, I like everything on it. Uh, so, anyway, that's kind of one of the some of the reasons why I've been out for so long, and that's also some of the reasons why some of our feedback is going to be referring to some stuff uh, that that happened uh, that's happened in the past. Before we jump in with some of the feedback, though. I was watching on television, I was watching, uh, I think it's called, it's uh, Gun, I think it's Gun Stories, which is one of the uh, Michael Bain show that he produces, and they were talking about uh, the AK-47, in fact, I was watching that thing today, earlier today, and it's funny how a lot of these gun guys still view the AK as a terrorist rifle. And they see it as a symbol of terrorism or anti-Americanism or oppression or anything like that. But they don't, they fail to see that that's flawed thinking. They fail to, to understand that that's sort of all, that's basically an anti-gun way of thinking. Um, you know, a lot of times the anti-gun people say things, they basically, I'm not going to say what they say, but they basically are blaming the object. And they say if there were no guns, there would never be any more crime, or there wouldn't be, uh, you know, somebody, if there were, if, if guns were outlawed, that, and uh, that nobody would, you wouldn't be able to have these mass uh, killings and all these other things, which, you know, has been shown to be untrue. Um, if there were no guns, people would use bombs, people would use knives, uh, you know, it's, they, it happens a lot in Japan, it happens a lot in uh, places where there's um, very, very strict gun control, 
We see here in the U.S. that even when there is a lot of strict gun control, it doesn't stop any of the criminals, it doesn't stop any of the outlaws from doing what they want to do, getting guns, using them. And again, it's the the whole thinking of that is flawed, and it's vilification, villainization. There we go. That's a little better of an object rather than placing the blame on the individual and having that individual be responsible for those actions. So instead of saying, "Oh, isn't it so? Isn't it so terrible that this guy was able to get a?" an AR-15 with a, with a hundred round drum or a 30 round, you know, magazine. Well, that, you know, that, and again, you're blaming the object and it's, it's throwing out and what they're doing when they're doing it, they know that they're doing it, but they're throwing out sort of that intellectual red herring so that instead of arguing about, well, why don't, why aren't we looking and punishing this individual? What you then, then the discussion is you have to try and justify, well, why do you want a magazine that holds 30 rounds as opposed to one that holds 10 or 5 or 3, you know, whatever arbitrary number that they're going to throw out there. And we've had this discussion before and everything. But uh, anyway, getting back to uh, getting back to gun stories, one of the guys, and I forget his his name, was talking about how a few years ago, they had gone over to Russia and they had actually met Kalashnikov and were talking to him and he was an affable guy and you know very friendly and all this other stuff. And the guy made the comment, I think his name was Gary something or other, I can't remember his, anyway. Uh, he's on there all the time, an older guy, white hair, mustache. That's a, <laughs> fortunately, that describes most of them. Um, I want to say something like Gary Johnson, but I don't think that's the guy's name. Uh, but he's again, he's on um, he's on like a lot of the NRA shows and all this other stuff. But anyway, he said that yeah, I met him. He was you know an affable little guy and you know seemed happy and everything, which I think is odd considering he's responsible for the deaths of millions of people. And right when I right when he said that, I thought really that's. That's the depth of your thinking. You're you're that brainwashed. Your 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 logic centers don't fire off and don't work. Because if somebody said to him, "Well, you know, shouldn't John Browning be burning in hell because of all the people, the millions of people that he's responsible for for killing, for their murders, for their deaths?" Now, I don't think that way. But I, I imagine this guy would not would not give the same attribute to uh, to John Browning or to Stoner. And there was another guy, um, Evil, oh, what's his name? I forget his name. His, he's on there a lot, too. His name is, uh, his cowboy action shooting name is Evil Roy. And he said, oh, you know, I see this kind of, I, I own a lot of guns, but I don't own one of those, and I see these as, you know, kind of a bad guy gun and an anti-American gun. But you could tell he, uh, at least when he was saying it, he, I think he kind of knew he was on shaky grounds. And it was just if, if you pressed him on it and, and came at him with logic, you would, he would just say, yeah, you know, you're right, but it's just a, it's a bias that I have. And that's, that was the, the uh, intent that I got from what he was saying. Uh, but again, with that other guy, I just thought, man, that's it. 
it's funny how how people can vilify objects and how they can place so much things on inanimate objects. You know, those just because a certain army used a certain gun doesn't make the gun evil, doesn't make the gun bad. You wouldn't say an AR-15 is evil. You wouldn't say, you know, it's the same thing. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, countries that use 9mm. There's a lot of countries that use uh, 2.23, or I guess 5.56 is actually probably what they would use if they're using the NATO round, but you wouldn't say that those that that ammunition is evil or that ammunition the the guy that designed nine millimeter ammunition should be somehow feeling guilty for the millions of deaths that he personally caused. So again, I just thought it was kind of uh, BS that 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 guy said that. So anyway, speaking of some of the things that happened while in my absence. Of course, there was a Colorado shooting in the theaters, and again, we see people wanting to blame the object and not the individual. Uh, But let me go ahead and play a little bit of feedback here. Hey, Tony, this is Tom from Roanoke, Virginia. I'm sorry I've been out of touch for a while. It's been a really busy summer. Anyway, I just wanted your thoughts on something. Um, My oldest grandson's almost eight, and he wants to go see a couple of movies that have come out recently, like the Wimpy Kid Diaries and I think the Lorax or something else. Anyway, I've after what's happened recently with the movie theaters in Aurora, I told him we wouldn't go. But then I've been rethinking it that if you live your life in fear, then you're really not living your life to the fullest extent possible. But I'm thinking that if I do go, I'm going to go very well armed. There's, there's no restrictions here as far as carrying concealed in the theater. And actually, to tell you the truth, if there were, I would probably just flake, you know, ignore it. What's more important, my safety? They want my money, they'll have to take it on my terms. Anyway, I just wanted your th- thoughts about that. Um, specifically, where would you sit? Uh, obviously, we would, we would carry flashlights. I try to carry two when I go to situation like that or if I'm going to be out at night or something um, where would you sit would you sit I'm assuming on the end so you get in or out easily would you sit on the right hand side being right handed so you could access your pistol and hopefully have a clear shot in the aisle would you sit on the left hand side for some reason last time we went I sat on the left hand side and I sat about midways in the theater because um and this is well before Aurora ever came on the radar. Just thinking about, um, I don't want to be near the back where I'd get trapped by the crowd. I don't want to be right in the front where I'd be the first one if there were a problem to be shot. Anyway, that's all I have to say. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say about the whole thing and maybe what some of your listeners have to say. Thanks a lot. I appreciate what you do. All right, Tom. Thanks for sending that in. appreciate uh, hearing from you. You know, there's a lot of stuff there, and I actually took a a few little bit of notes here. Um, There's a lot of questions and a lot of things to consider. And also, if any of you guys, like Tom had asked for, if you uh, have some opinions or some thoughts on the matter, go ahead and and, uh, send those in for us, and we can get them out on the next show. And what he was talking about was the, uh, the shooting in Aurora, And 
to the first part of uh, of Tom's voicemail there, you know, I think maybe in something like that, in the immediate aftermath of that type of an, of a of an event where it was a, a, a specific place, maybe for the next couple of days, you, I don't, wouldn't say maybe not go, but. If you chose not to go, I wouldn't say that that wouldn't be a smart move. Uh, you may want to avoid some copycat things. Um, so you know it may be it may be uh, prudent to stay home for the next two or three days. Uh, you know those movies are they're always playing and all that stuff, so you're not really going to miss out on anything. Uh, you'd also asked about well before I get into that, but you know you're right. You can't. You can't live your life in fear. You can't live your life waiting for the boogeyman to sort of jump around the corner and be terrified of that. What you can do is prepare yourself and have that mental, not strength, but just to mentally be prepared to where if something bad does happen that you're not stuck in that loop of, oh my God, oh my God, something's happening why is this happening to me? What should I do? What should I do? That you're prepared mentally to when something does happen, that you're like, this is happening, it's time for me to act. Either I run, I hide, I, and then you know, fight back if I need to. Uh, depending on the situation, there's so many different things. But in general, that mindset is what's going to help you. You'd also ask about where where i where where I would think would be a good place to sit, would it maybe be more in the middle of the theater? would it be on the ends or the right or the left and again that a lot of that is going to depend on as far as sitting to the maybe to the far right or the far left, depending on where that exit is. Some theaters you go to and there's only one way in, and then down at the bottom sometimes there's another exit down there sometimes there can be two exits on either side of the theater. Sometimes there's only one, depending on how it's configured. Um, just take note of the exits, know where those are at. I generally like to sit up at the very top row. And what this allows me to do is it allows me to see the whole theater. I also tend to, just for viewing, I tend to just like to sit in the kind of in the middle. Um, as far as right or left, I don't really know that that's going to make too much difference for you. Um, one of the reasons that I, again, like to sit up in, in that very top row is I don't have then anybody behind me. Nobody can sort of sneak up behind me. I suppose if it was a crowded theater, you know, somebody who's sitting either to the right or left of me could, you know, open fire on me, that type of thing. If that happens, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do about it. Uh, and again, what we're trying to do is just minimize things. We're trying to give ourselves the best shot of uh, of surviving something if something bad does happen. But, uh, and some people, well, b- before we move on to that, some people will say, well, if you're sitting up at the very top and kind of in the middle, you're not going to be close to the exits and this and that. And eh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, again, you sort of have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of it. For me, I like the idea of being up top I've got the high ground. I can see everybody coming. It's easier to shoot. It's going to be easier for me if I had to return fire to um, be able to duck down behind the seats and move and shoot and move and shoot and that type of thing rather than 
maybe being in the middle and somebody is opening up on me, uh, you know, from one side or the other. But anyway, I think some of the bigger questions about this is the question of, well, do when do I carry and when do I not carry? And by that we mean if a, if a place has put up a sign, so a theater has put up a sign that says, no guns allowed, do you still bring that in? And I guess it has to, it's going to depend on your state. In some states, there's no force of law, meaning that if you are, are made, so to speak, in the theater and, and they saw that you had a firearm, about all they can do is ask you to leave. There's not at that point if they ask you to leave, you, you by law then you're required to. Uh, you don't argue about it. You don't make a point. You just say, "Oh, okay, I'll leave." You don't say, "I'm never coming back." You just say, "I'll leave," and you leave. And then later you can call up the manager and politely explain why you did the things you did and this and that, and hope that they would change their policy. Uh, in some states, if this, the sign carries what they call force of law, which you could maybe get, a, uh, depending on the state, um, it could be a misdemeanor, it could be what they would call maybe a criminal trespass, it could be this or that. Some places, I don't know if in some places it's a felony, I know in some places it would be considered you know, like a jaywalking or a, a status offense, that type of thing. But again, getting back to that bigger thing of well, if that theater or if that restaurant, if the Red Robin or Outback or Applebee's or whatever has that no firearm sign up, do I still go in with it? Uh, like you said, if, if they want your money, they'll, they'll do it on your terms. And some people would argue, they'd say, well, and, and we'll kind of get beyond the, the legalities of it. And we'll go a little bit into the... Uh, the ethics or the morality of it, I guess. Some people argue, well, look, that guy has property rights. And the people that want to keep guns out of certain places always say, you need to respect the property rights of that business owner. And in fact, you, if somebody said they wanted to come into your house with a shotgun or with a pistol and you didn't want them there, you have the right to tell them, I don't want you in here. And that's true, and I agree with that 100%. If they're coming into your house, it's different when you have a business. It's different when you are open to the public. Their property rights do not trump my right to defend myself, my right to survive, basically my right to live. Then even if you, if, if you said, well, on a constitutional matter, Second Amendment says you shall not be infringed. And I know some people kind of, you know, love to spout that and everything, but I think what that, when it boils down to, what it really means is that your right to defend yourself is more important than somebody's right to earn a dollar. Now, if we say, well, is it the right thing to do for me to go into that business and, and kind of break their rules? You know, I, that's something you're going to have to do and, and decide on your own. And also, especially if it's, if it carries, if it's illegal for you to do that. 
that's something you're going to have to decide. You know, they uh, another one of those uh, catchphrases that everybody likes to say is, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. Meaning that uh, even if you got into a little bit of trouble or a lot of trouble and something went down, something really bad happened, at least you'd be alive to, to get into trouble. But it, it is a very interesting uh, interesting thing to think about. And it's, it's not one of those academic things. It's, it's something that, that you're going to run into as somebody who carries and carries concealed on a regular basis, you, you have to decide, well, if it's, if it's really concealed, excuse me, if it's really concealed, nobody's going to know that you have a gun anyway. So anyway, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it, uh, whether you agree, disagree, um, things about where you would sit in a theater, if you uh, think my sitting up in the top is crazy or think it's a good idea or not call in or uh, send an email and let us know what you think. Hi, Tony. This is Lawrence. I tried to contact you uh, with a new feature you offer in, in the website, but I couldn't make it because I'm at work now and I cannot make any adjustments for, you know, computers or with the computers I have at work so I'll try it later from home but I would like to suggest you a topic for a show and all this I see uh, podcasts talking a lot about self-defense and from what I hear and all the uh, good podcasts I listen to I don't want to name any of them they are uh, you know, strong uh, proponents for training, and I pretty much agree with that. But I think uh, most of the training that are offered out there applies to men, and they're pretty much uh, focused almost in a combat vision of self-defense. I was looking at the you know, the classes uh, offered in some of the training centers, and I see little in uh, women's uh, self-defense, very, very little information. And I was, you know, just wondering how real are those uh, classes when the you know, half of the population or a little bit more is <laughs> is made, uh, you know, <laughs> from uh, women, okay? And uh, you got to have not a, uh, you know, uh, less important uh, role for, for women in the self-defense context. I don't know what you're going to do with this, <laughs> but uh, my question to you would be, uh, do you know of any training center? I know in Seattle they have a specific class for uh, women, but Seattle is just, it's just one location in the United States. Why? 
the women uh, are not the center of attention or at least share the attention on the training side. And I see that uh, uh, most of the training centers are pretty much uh, concentrating their efforts in men. And this becomes, you know, what I see is turn out to be that those classes to me are pretty much a man club, <laughs> men's club. And I, I didn't want to categorize like that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just like uh, grown-up kids. They're men now, and they are, you know, learning to defend themselves. And I, I really enjoy what I'm saying. I'm not criticizing. But women are, you know, out of the equation, And you play as a, I am the protector at home, the provider, and even uh, respectable trainers or respectable instructors don't give any kind of instruction to their wives. I know I'm hitting hard here in some of the uh, training centers, but this is a fact. This is a fact. Uh, we know that a lot of people, a lot of women are looking for concealed carry class. But as you might know, concealed carry do not prepare you for a real situation. It gives you uh, the minimal to, you know, to have a gun and to put in your waistband or carry it with you. This is not the real deal. Okay. And having a woman in a class doesn't solve the problem. I think women need a program for themselves due to the specific uh, particularities of being a woman, okay? So men are not the best instructors for women, okay? And you cannot... Uh, make or enforce women to adapt to a program that is developed for men. Okay, I don't know if I if I made myself clear with this, but I, I'm just stopping by and saying hello. And if you you know if you want to take this uh, to a topic for a show, it's okay. If don't if you don't want to do, it's okay with me. I always enjoy your shows, okay? And, well, see you on the web. Bye-bye. All right, Lawrence. Thanks for sending that in. A lot of good stuff there, just as with uh, Tom's feedback. There's a lot more. There's a lot of stuff there to discuss and a lot of questions to kind of ask and, and, and to look at. And probably, I would say maybe, I'm just going to kind of pick and choose things out of there and it won't grow really in any particular order but a lot of the stuff that i see and i think one of the main things is is what we're seeing a little bit is it's kind of that free market at, at work in some regards meaning that most of these businesses would love to have female instructors would love to have the uh, classes just for females just for women 
and they do, but a lot of times it's maybe a once or twice a year type thing where it's just female focused. And I think part of it is because the maybe the interest just isn't there. Um, and it's funny, you know, you made the point about a lot of the, the top instructors, even their wives, don't uh, aren't interested in it. And a lot of us, you know, who were in the in the in the podcast community, our wives have very little interest in it. Um, one of the things that you can usually find in your area, depending again where you live. If you live in New York or New Jersey, you're probably not really going to find too much of this. But if you live in Arizona, probably Utah, you know, some more Texas, some more gun-friendly states like that, you'll actually find uh, almost like a first shots program. Uh, in fact, I, I had done a show a while back uh, on an experience that my wife had had and it was basically a a introduction introduction excuse me to firearms and it was taught by women there were a couple other males that were around but everybody who was in the class was women there were no men that were going to be students there was a couple that were instructors and then there was a couple of husbands like me who basically just sat off in the back and didn't say anything and so there was some range time some familiarization and what was nice about that program was that they were using 22s uh, so that it wasn't going to be super, super loud and it wasn't going to be a lot of recoil. And it was a, a really good program. And at the end of that program, uh, my wife, who, who doesn't have a lot of interest in guns and, and uh, has some, uh, some negative emotions and things like that associated with them, came away from there, I thought, Better, I thought she had taken kind of her first steps, but even out here, it's it's hard to find places where she can go and be with other women who aren't, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, they're not basically like, you know, a wino, a woman in name only, I guess you'd say, that basically they're just like you know men with boobs, and so their attitudes and everything like that. Um, women do things obviously different than we do. They learn things differently than we do. They don't, a lot of times women don't want to be in sort of that, like you're saying, like in that men's club environment. They don't, they don't want to put up with the BS. They want to go there. They want to do the stuff. And if they want to talk about how they feel about shooting or standing or doing this or doing that, they need to have the freedom to do that, which you're not going to really have in an all-male club, or like you're saying, if there's only if there's one or two women in the class, it doesn't really change how that class is going to be taught, because you're right, primarily those classes are designed for men. Um, and, and, you know, there, an interesting thing about the concealed carry, out here in Arizona, we went to constitutional carry a while back, and the interesting thing was, if you if you actually go and you look at the numbers of people who are applying for permits, you would expect that because there's constitutional carry, that the number of permits would actually go down. Because since people don't need it, they don't have to go to a class, they don't have to pay money, they don't have to blah, 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 they don't have to let the government know, they can just carry concealed as long again, as long as you're not a prohibited possessor. Now... Does that mean that it's going to stop a criminal from carrying a weapon? No. Did it stop them from doing that from before? Absolutely not. Uh, 
So, you know, the idea of a permit in and of itself is, is ridiculous, and there shouldn't be any required, in my opinion. However, getting back to the original point is the numbers of concealed carry permits have actually gone up. Why is that? Well, people want, again, it, what it shows is people that are law-abiding want to do the right thing. They want to get the training. They want to, you know, do it the right way. But having said that, the concealed carry classes don't really do too much for you as far as really preparing you. Uh, and I think things that would be maybe more educational as opposed to actually having range time. I think a lot of women would like that. I think a lot of women would like to go to a class. And, there's, and this could be for men too, but we're, we're primarily focused on women right now. I think a lot of women would like to go to a class where there is going to be absolutely no shooting. What they're going to do is they're going to learn about, you know, gun safety, why guns work, how they work, how, you know, what's the difference between, you know, a rifle cartridge or a, or a rimfire cartridge and a, and a pistol round, you know, are, are there any differences? What are they? Um, and they could act, you could actually either have dummy guns or you could have blue guns in the classroom, like the training guns that are just plastic. And so they could actually hold uh, a model of it and, and get the kind of the feel of it. And then maybe later they could go and do uh, another class. And in fact, I thought about maybe trying to set something up like that out here, but I don't really know how I would go about doing something like that. But I've been kicking that idea around in the back of my head. Uh, but again, I would agree. I agree that, you know, women do need their own courses and they need their own courses that have been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, just have been thought up or designed. That's it. That have been designed by women for women just because things are different. Now, obviously, even in those courses, it doesn't matter. There's going to be certain things that are going to have to be taught. But the way that they're going to be taught is going to be different. Uh, so if anybody out there, again, has any ideas or comments or suggestions, let us know. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you. All right, I got one more bit of email here. And then we're probably going to be calling the calling the show. We're going to be bringing the show down to a close here in a little bit. And... Uh, I, what I'm, I won't talk too much about this stuff because it is kind of, it's a little complicated to talk about and I think there's, you're better off to maybe just go to the website and follow the links and you can, you can watch these videos on it. A uh, gentleman by the name of Tony sent me an email and we were talking about, you know, people will often say, oh, if you vote for this guy or if you vote for that guy, you're throwing your vote away. Um, and, you know, is the primary system the, really the best way to do stuff? Is there a better way to do it to where you could actually vote your conscience and the person that you really wanted to vote for would actually have a chance of, of, of getting there? So meaning that somebody like a Ron Paul or somebody like a Gary Johnson would actually really have a, a, a chance of doing it and wouldn't have to bow to the you know, to the two-party system, which is, you know, basically all fixed and rigged anyway. So anyway, the the concept, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and read Tony's email. Uh, he said, I listened to your recent podcast, show number 74, and discussing the upcoming election choices. 
One of the major problems we have is that the two major parties have made it virtually impossible for a credible third candidate to get elected. One way to help change this is to change the voting system. And then he's saying the videos uh, below describe a voting system that can help eliminate the need for primaries and reduce the influence of political parties. Please take time to watch uh, the following three-part videos describing score voting, also known as range voting. And uh, they, it says, if I find it interesting, which I did, please discuss it on a future podcast, which we are doing now. So again, if you go over to the website, which is uh, firearmscafe.com, and under uh, the show, which is, what show is this today? Show number 76. Uh, I've put links to the videos and also links to the website rangevote.com. Um, and uh, you can check that stuff out. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's very interesting the, the way that it works. If, if you do real small numbers, and this is, a lot of this stuff is explained in the video, but if, if only five people were voting, this type of thing may not work. But as, as the numbers expand and as you go out, the range voting where you're basically giving everybody a ranking. So you would say everybody is uh, who's running for president this year is you've got Barack Obama, you've got Mitt Romney, you've got Ron Paul, and you've got Gary Johnson. And then what you would do is you would say, uh, I'll give Ron Paul, uh, let's say if you can rate them 1 to 10 or 1 to 4, whatever the number was. I'll give him a 4, I'll give Gary Johnson a 3, I'll give Mitt Romney a 0, and I'll give Barack Obama a 0. Or you would give Mitt Romney maybe a 1, you know, depending on how you wanted to do it. And and again, it's it's uh, to try and explain it, I'm not going to do it justice, so if you go and watch it, but basically the math works out. And it works out to where... Um, the people, the, the, it would go across party lines and all this other stuff uh, as the numbers go bigger and everything. So it's a real interesting concept. Um, I know some of you guys may think, ah, it's full of crap or it's full of nonsense. I thought it was an interesting concept and something that could work. Uh, whether or not that'll ever happen in our country, probably not. Uh, there would have to be <laughs> a major upheaval uh, before we're going to change the way that things, uh, things are voted on in this country. Now, Speaking of that, let's talk a little bit of politics. As of now, Mitt Romney has chosen Paul Ryan to be his vice presidential running mate. Uh, Ryan is, let's say we just look at it from the standpoint of, of uh, firearms, of Second Amendment issues. He's pro-Second Amendment. I don't think he would sell us down the river. I think he's sincere in his commitment to the Second Amendment and in his commitment to us, I think. Uh, there's a lot of other things about him I don't like. Um, and so some people would argue, well, this is why it's going to be safe to vote for a Mitt Romney. By choosing somebody like that, what he's really saying is, I'm kind of weak maybe in some of these areas, and this guy is super strong on guns, so you know that by me bringing him in, gun control, banning semi-autos, and a, uh, an assault rifle ban, what they call the assault weapons ban, which is BS, but uh, an assault ban is, is not going to happen because I've got a guy who's, you know, who, who doesn't believe in that type of stuff. 
And so that would be a reason to vote for Romney as opposed to doing what I'm going to do, which is vote for Gary Johnson. Uh, the other thing is that if you vote for Romney, and, and this is the dilemma that some people could have, and this is the dilemma that I could see that people could have and, and would be legitimate, a legitimate concern. And it's about the only reason I would see to vote for Romney. It's about the only one I can think of, and it's, uh, it's weak at best. The likelihood of some of the justices in the Supreme Court leaving or dying is probably rather high, which means that probably a person who's in office this next term may be able to appoint one, maybe two, justices. And what you would want would be somebody like a Romney who is probably going to appoint somebody who is going to, at the very least, be moderate at the best, be a little bit maybe more leaning on the conservative side. And this is with, uh, in, in the context of, of guns. I'm not really talking about other things. Whereas Obama, as we have seen, has pointed basically to anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment, anti-Constitution people. And the hope would be that if Romney gets to appoint a couple of justices, that we would actually get somebody in there who would at the very least do us no harm. And I think, like again, like I said, that is a legitimate concern as far as, you know, who should I vote for this guy or not. Um, there's also other things to look at, and I haven't really talked about this before, but it is part of the reality, the political reality in this country. If you live in a state like Oklahoma, like Arizona, probably like Utah, if you live in a place like California, uh, if you live in a place like New York or New Jersey, your state is pretty much going to go one way. Your state is that, uh, traditionally, some of those states are going to be blue and some of those states are going to be red. And some of those states are super blue and some of them are super red. So even if you, let's say if you lived in New York, if you're voting for Romney, well, your vote probably isn't going to mean too much because traditionally New York or New Jersey is, is a blue state. The same thing would be said if you wanted to vote for Obama and you lived in Oklahoma or a place like Arizona. Those places traditionally go Republican, so they're very red. Um, so, and, and I've heard this argument before that if, if you live in one of those states where it's going to be red or it's going to be blue, you might as well just just vote for whoever you want. You can do a write-in, you can vote for Johnson, you can write in Ron Paul, that type of thing. But having said that, even if you live in a swing state, if you want change, if you're tired of the current BS system that we've got, you really do need to vote for the person that you think will represent you the best. And in my case, 
that person is going to be Gary Johnson. and That's who I'm going to vote for. Will that really swing anything over to his way? I don't know. But what I do know is that I will be voting for the guy between and his uh, between he and his running mate. I'll be voting for the guy that I think best represents me and would move forward on things that I want moved forward. Not a very graceful way to say it, but you know what I mean. And I know there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are that are pretty conservative. And I know that I, I have a lot of people that listen to this show that are uh, much more libertarian, like myself. And there are some people that uh, would be described maybe as traditional liberals, but are you know strong on gun control. But socially, maybe they're they're liberal. And again, no matter which camp you fall into, I would say vote your conscience. If you if you think that Obama's doing a good job, you should vote for him. If you think that Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan would do a heck of a job, uh, then you should vote for them. If you think that Gary Johnson is the way to go, then you should vote for him. If you think, oh heck, I should ride in Ron Paul. And like I've said on previous shows, hey, wacky stuff happens. Um, so you you never say never, but, uh, you know what I mean? Anyway, I think I have babbled on long enough. Uh, again, thank you guys for sticking with me and I hope to hear from you real soon. Stay safe, take care, and I'll talk to you guys next time. superhuman strength.